out into the field for ministry. And so for the last 20 years or so, we have concentrated basically on what Paul did on his first missionary journey. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 14, verse 21 through 23. Here are events on Paul's, uh, Paul and Barnabas's return to Antioch after their first missionary journey. And this is what missions is all about. What Bob is talking about, training nationals to do the work of the ministry. That's what it's all about. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Five times the Lord Jesus gave the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, get them saved, baptize them, and they're added to the church. The Lord Jesus said, I will build my church. The local church is the pillar and ground of the truth. I praise God for Bible colleges, hospitals, orphanages, but they are not the pillar and ground of the truth. This local church, along with every other local church around the world, is the pillar and ground of the truth. The goal of what Bob is trying to do, what your pastor is trying to do, and what we're going to be trying to do, what I'll show you in just a minute, is to win people to Jesus Christ, to baptize them, disciple them, and to start local churches. India is a closed country. They got their freedom from Great Britain back in the mid-40s, and what a bloodbath that was. Can I tell you something? A militant Hindu is just as violent as a militant Muslim. In 2008, in the state of Orissa, just north of one of the areas we work with, we work with a lot of pastors. You're going to see the map, Andhra Pradesh. Just in 2008, over 100 pastors were killed. Hundreds of churches were burned. The government had to build refugee camps for thousands of Indian Christians because of militant Hindus. But you notice the threefold purpose of what Paul was doing here. First of all, in verse 21, there's evangelism. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. And that's what we do. It all begins with preaching the gospel. This church was started because somebody had a vision for this area, came here, preached the gospel, several people got saved, and they got discipled, they were baptized, and you are the result of what somebody has done years ago. And that's what Paul is doing. So they got saved, there was evangelism, and then there was encouragement, there was edification. Look at verse 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And by the way, this is the one area where we have failed very badly is in discipleship. I can tell it's not true in this place. You people have been discipled by this pastor. And thank God for that. There's a lot of churches that are not... Remember, the Lord Jesus is not looking for converts. He's looking for disciples. And the reason we're not seeing many disciples is because we're stopping after they converted. We don't disciple them. They don't grow. And therefore, they leave. And then look at verse 23. 
First there was evangelism, then there was edification, and then they established local churches. Verse 23, when they had ordained them elders in every what? That's the purpose of missions. You know, God created man to glorify him. And the reasons there are, the reasons for missions is people don't glorify God. We are gathered here this morning to glorify our great God. We did it through the singing, we did it through the giving, and through the preaching of God's Word. But I want you to drop down to verse 27 because this tells you why Bob is here, why we are here, and why you're having a missions conference. Verse 27. Let's start at verse 26. And then sailed to Antioch from whence they had from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they, what? They completed the work. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. Remember in his high priestly prayer in John 17, what he told the Father? I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. Remember what the apostles Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, some of the last words he wrote to this young pastor in the faith? I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. That's what it's all about. These men that you're going to see here in just a moment, if I ever get to it, are men who are faithfully serving the Lord in some of the most adverse conditions you will ever see. Now look at verse 27. And when they were come and gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Notice the report was complete. They rehearsed all. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to show you what God is doing through these men that you are helping to support. And by the way, you're going to see some of the tools that this church has equipped these men to do the work of the ministry. So the, the, the report was complete. Notice also, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. It was humble. It was God-centered. Everything that has ever happened, all of us are what we are because of the grace of God. The only thing that any of us have any right to boast in is the cross of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then notice it was fruitful. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. When we give these reports, we're giving you information that God wants us to share through the people he's working in these countries. And we're praying that the Holy Spirit will create an interest in your heart to help these people and that you will begin to intercede for them and then that ultimately will lead to involvement. It's only by the grace of God that we're here this morning. Let me explain. As I said, I got back from India the, the first part of February. I, w I got a call right after I got back. They wanted me to speak to a couple Bible classes at Ambassador Bible College, where my son-in-law is the music. Todd Scoville is the music director there. So we drove, to, my wife and I drove down on a Wednesday. I was going to speak to one class at 7 o'clock on Thursday morning, another one at 8 o'clock on Friday morning. On the way there, my daughter called and said, our pastor would like to know if you want to preach in our church Wednesday night. So, praise God. 
God opened another door. So Wednesday night I preached in the church. Thursday morning spoke to the kids in the class. Friday morning, same thing. Saturday we went back home. About Tuesday or Wednesday I started not feeling too well. I had just traveled halfway around the world, 26 hours one way, 26 hours coming back, four different flights within India, 10 total flights surrounded by hundreds of people, have been in villages, sickness, you can't believe, came back not even with a cold. I'm back in the States less than a week, and I got the flu. <laughs> Two weeks ago today, I was sick. Last Sunday, I was sick. I told Sharon, I don't know how I'm going to tell Brother Wayne, but I, I'm not going to be able to do this. By Tuesday, praise God, I was able to get up. Thursday, I'm cutting grass at 75 degrees. We can't wait till we get home next week. But it's only by the grace of God that we're here. As you can start the, uh, where's this clicker here? Do you have to start this, brother? Can we start the slides? There we go. Okay, this is October 2016. I got to make sure I got this thing right. Bob talked about technology. I thank God that my wife can do all those things that you talked about, Bob. <laughs> because I'm like you. I hand her the tools and she does them. This is Pastor Michael. We've worked with him since the late 1990s. You've been very helpful in supporting him. I'll show you church here. This is very typical for a pastor. By God's grace, we've been able to equip over 50 pastors with one of those two-wheelers. That's called the Honda Hero. Very efficient for these pastors. That's Michael, his wife Joy, and their two children. Just, okay, going forward here. Okay, this was in Than Putnam. This is a village church, probably 100 kilometers south of Chennai, India, in, in the southeast part of India. These are young people. They always have to have them sing a Sunday morning service song. I want to show you something here. I, and I've asked you young people before, and I'll ask all of you. How many of you had the choice of where you were going to be born? Nobody? Neither did they. It's only by the grace of God that we have been born in this country. But it's by the grace of God that these kids are living, living in villages where pastors are willing to go and share the gospel. Now, you can't see their faces very clear here, but a couple of those, is this the red light? Where's the red light? It's not there. A couple of those girls, uh, when they were like 9 and 10 years old, memorized a lot of Scripture. One of, the, one of these, both of these girls memorized Psalm 119. How many of us have ever memorized Psalm 119? Do you know how many verses there are in Psalm 119? 176 verses. In addition to that, they also memorized the entire book of Philippians, all four chapters. These are not stupid kids. They've just never had the opportunity to be taught like we have. 
And here they're just praising the Lord. This is Pastor Greg Wahlberg. Some of you know him. Pastor Greg went to India. Uh, This was his third trip with me. And we're going to talk about some of the tools that you have given and also this church has given to help these pastors. This is the local church by God's grace. We helped we were able to help build this church. This is a pretty typical church for that area. This one's a little bit bigger because they have a bigger village area to work with. But most of the churches are like 20 by 40. Very simple, just the walls, the window, and a couple of doors. And we've been able, we can able to put these churches up for about $10,000, $12,000. And by God's grace, we're now working on the 10th one. And it's, it's because of the giving of people like you. This man on the left here, the, the, the girl on the left and the woman and the man on the left were saved about two years ago. Pastor Emmanuel is the pastor on the right. Pastor Greg and I are in the back, and that's the pastor's wife. She's a school teacher. She's the reason those kids were able to memorize those verses so well. But the man in the left, the husband, his name is Paul, he, got, he had a stroke about four years ago. He was a strong Hindu. His wife got saved, led to the Lord by Pastor Emmanuel's wife. Then he got saved. He's totally paralyzed. He can stand, but he cannot walk or anything. But he's been baptized. Four men carried him into the waters of the baptism, put him under the water, and what a, praise, what a day of praising that was. This is Pastor Emmanuel, his daughter Lois, and some of these girls. That girl in the front... On the front step is one of the girls. Her name is Sharon. When they get saved, they give them a Christian name. So they named her Sharon. I'm sure they were thinking of my Sharon when they did it. But that's one of the girls that memorized Psalm 119 and also the book of Philippians. This is the church in Chennai. Pastor Emmanuel, this is his house. He lived, This is the second floor. This is back in Chennai. It's a fishing village called Injimbakam. You'll see some of the stuff in just a moment here. This was the evening service, and what he does, he goes on Saturday morning, he goes to the Than Putnam Church. They have a prayer meeting on Saturday night. They have the first service, 5.30 Sunday morning. That lasts about an hour. Then he goes to another village, has a church service there, goes to another village, and then about 2 o'clock he comes back to Chennai, and then he ministers there in the evening. This was a seminar lunch break. Our ministry right now basically is, is threefold. Number one, we're doing what, what Brother Bob is doing. We're training pastors. This is at the Injimbakam Church. These are pastors in the Chennai area. Most of these men pastor four and five churches. They have churches in Chennai, but they also reach out into different villages, and they spend a lot of time. By God's grace and the giving of people like you, we have been able to equip, and I'm going to try and show you as we go through here, the five men that we've been able to buy four-wheel vehicles. They're a little bit bigger than a Jeep, but they put together gospel teams. In the early, uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, India kicked all the Western missionaries out. There were none left. You cannot go in there. If you try to go in as a missionary, you're not going to go in there. 
I have been there 61 times, and I, every time it's had to go on a tourist, uh, a tourist visa. And by the way, they know why we're there. One time when I was checking through immigration, this lady behind the counter, she took my passport, took, she found the visa, and you have to fill out on a form where you're going to stay. And of course, they want you to stay in a hotel or someplace else. She says, I noticed that you're not staying uh, in a hotel. And I said, no, I'm staying with friends. She said, do you have a lot of friends in Chennai? I said, yes, I have a lot of friends. And she said, I'm also one of your friends. They know why we're there. <laughs> but what a blessing that was. Made me feel very comfortable. But this was uh, we meet with these men normally during the day, and then in the evening we'll go to a village or a home Bible study in another place. Again, this was Pastor Michael, his wife, and their two children. The kids all consider me, they, they call me uncle. It's a term of endearment. They call my wife auntie. It's a term of respect for older people. One of these, these children call me tata. Okay, that's grandpa. I got, and when I get to another one, I'll show you a story about one of these little girls. This is a, Michael is building, a, he pastors a church, in, he pastors two churches in Chennai. He also goes to three different villages. He's got five works going right now. He is winning people to Christ like you cannot believe. The church in a tribal area, the difference between tribal people and village people, village people have a spoken language and a written language. Tribal people only have a spoken language. So in this particular area of Chennai, which is on the outskirts, Michael is building a church. He's got a good group of people. And by God's grace, and there's a man in South Carolina that supports him and is helping him with this building. But Michael not only has to preach the gospel to them, help them to grow, he has to develop a written language for them because they don't have one. And so if they're ever going to be able to get the Bible, he has to develop a language. And who is best equipped to do that? Indian nationals, just like Brother Bob is trying to do. That's the baptismal tank. This is the building right now where we're in the God has provided the funds are in the process of putting the roof on to this building. It's going to take a long time. But you can see that's a pretty standard building. Probably 20 by 40. You've got the openings. It's got the windows. But that's all they need. Very, very simple. And this is the, this is the slum area, KK Nagar. Very, very bad place. Mexico City is the biggest slum in the world. I was in the slums of Bombay. Over a million people live in that slum. We went there on a Sunday night. We sat in a car waiting. The pastor I was with, pastors a couple of churches there. All of a sudden, ten men, huge men, came, formed a circle around us. We walked into this, the slum area of, uh, of uh, Bombay, called now Mumbai. We had a Bible study. They had the refreshments. These men formed the circle, and we walked back out. Do we have to fear anything? If we fear God, we have nothing else to fear. Amen? But this is Michael. This is the slum area in Chennai. Very, very tough area. It's pretty hard to see this picture. This is Michael on the left and his brother 
on the right. Uh, I forgot his name right now. And then that's their father in the middle. They have 11 children. His wife has gone to be with glory. All 11 children are in full-time ministry. But again, who is best equipped to reach India for Jesus Christ? Indian people. This is the fish, fishing village where Pastor Emmanuel lives. He's been able to reach some of these fishermen. This is on the Bay of Bengal. Just as Pastor Greg took these pictures. Um, two dogs, I don't know why, but two dogs have adopted me in Pastor Emmanuel's place. By the way, the vehicle that we can buy most of these pastors is that vehicle right there. That's the, one of the first ones we bought. That's for Pastor Emmanuel. Those two dogs, I don't know if you can see them on the right. About a year ago, I was, uh, and I stay with the pastors when I go there. If we're in the village, I stay with them. If we're in the city, I stay wherever they are. And my time is flowing, I'm knowing. But uh, one, one night when I, I could hear my room is, you know, the rooms are small. And I heard this dog, these puppies whining. So I told Emmanuel about it. I said, you know, there's something between these buildings. And the room between the buildings is like this. So he got one of the little kids to crawl back in there. And that the mother dog is in the back. She had eight puppies. Well, to make a long story short, they got them out of there. They were protecting them. You can see on the left, maybe you can't see, but that's what they sleep on, a garbage heap across the street. That's the garbage in India, okay? They don't pick it up very often. But anyway, I felt so bad for that mother dog. Seven of her pups got killed, so I started to buy some dog food. Well, guess where those dogs live now? And when I come there, they are there. In fact, when I got ready to leave this time, when I opened the back door, they both tried to jump in. They wanted to go with me. Take us to America. <laughs> but these are the family pets. This is the traffic in Bangalore. You think traffic is bad in America? You have no idea what it's like in India. It is insane. There's one verse in the book of Judges that covers it. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. <laughs> okay. This, from, from, we, we normally go to Chennai, Bangalore, and Nagarkoil. And again, I don't have the map on this one. You can take a look at the map out on the foyer there. Most of the men... That you, were, that you have supported, or you are supporting, are part of this group. These men are just north of Chennai, north of Tamil Nadu, just north of Bangalore. Most of you know where Bangalore is. It's a high-tech city. When you talk to somebody in India about getting something with your computer, it's probably Bangalore. Most of these men are from two states. Uh, they're from Andhra Pradesh, and then they divided Andhra Pradesh into another state called Telangana, okay? These men are rural pastors. Most of them are Bible college graduates. But like Bob was saying, they don't have the really good Bible training. And this is where you have come in. In addition to the two-wheelers that we, by God's grace and the giving of people like you, every one of these men have a two-wheeler, which just, they're all rural pastors, 
Before they got the two-wheelers, so much time was wasted trying to travel. Now these two-wheelers opened up, but also we've been able to equip most of these pastors with laptops. Now many of them, even though they don't have internet connection, we have been able to give them two pen drives with almost total libraries on those pen drives. In fact, Pastor Greg, down in York, Pennsylvania, put together, you've been here 30 years, you two must have started at the same time, because he's been there almost 30 years. Pastor Greg put 30 years of teaching on those pen drives. All, all doctrinal studies, eschatology, that's what these men have. Winston Churchill made one of his famous speeches at the beginning of World War II, where he challenged the British people they were going to fight and beat the Germans no matter what. Winston uh, Churchill was a great motivator. When he got done with that speech, he turned to the Americans and he said, give us the tools and we'll do the work. That's all they want. We can't do the work. Just give them the tools and they will do the work. Most of those men are supported on $100 a month. That $100 a month gives their ministry stability and it gives them security. They don't have to worry about their families being fed. Most of these men are in very rural, very drought-ridden areas. They work with people who are just, poverty, most of them illiterate. They're very poor. Their offerings may be 20 to $30 a week. But the stability that they have with this $100 support just helps them so much, and they're able to reach out into more villages and share the gospel. Oh, I've got to, you can't, I can't miss this. Oh, I've got to go back. You can't, please. Come on. You're not going to believe this. Okay, these are the pastors, okay? The man in charge, of God has given, Bob, Bob talked about key men. God has given us three key men. Pastor Jeremiah, Pastor Gariah, Pastor Arlen. All former students of mine when I first started at Berean. Well-educated men, gifted men. You know, this is one of the problems with Americans. We think we're the only ones that gift the gifts. But Bob talked about that very plainly. God has gifted people in every church, no matter where it is around the world. Amen? These men are very gifted men. It's just that they have very limited access to the support and the help they need. This is where Americans are, can really help spread the gospel around the world. Pastor Gariah, there are different gyps. The caste system has killed India, but it's also how they control the caste, the people. They have five major castes. These people are gypsies. The gypsies have no caste system. They are the bottom of your shoe. Nobody will deal with these gypsies. Pastor Gariah, one of our key men that deals mostly with our, the men you support, led a man from this village to the Lord. And then he discipled him. He went back into that village, began to win people to Jesus Christ. 
They're, they don't beg anymore. They don't steal anymore. They're getting jobs. They're building houses. Their kids are now going to school, all because of the power of the gospel. Remember what Paul said? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God. Nobody can believe what's happening to these people. But when Pastor Greg and I were there, the man that's, that got saved told Gariah, we don't do this anymore, but we want you to see what we used to do before we got saved. And they're going to let me watch, watch this now. When Greg and I got there, that's a bull, 1,500 pounds, okay? They dress him all up. They take them around the city of Bangalore. They do these things, and people give money. That's them begging. That's what they're doing. Greg and I are sitting down. This is toward the end of the program. The first thing they did was let that bull run loose. That's a wild animal. Greg and I are sitting there. All these people are standing around us, and this bull is going wild like this. And through my mind, I can just see the headlines. Two Americans killed by bull in Bangalore. I said, Lord, what are we doing here? So he stopped the bull. Can you see the guy on the ground? Uh, first of all, I don't, I, you know, maybe some of you young people can do this. Most of us can't. He has got his knees underneath him. He's laying flat, okay? Notice what this bull does. That bull has got all four legs on that man's two legs. That's not normal. <laughs> there is something going on here. Greg and I are looking at each other. What are we looking at? This is the same area where people walk barefooted on hot coals and don't burn their feet. This is the same area where Pastor, some of you know Dr. Cherian. Somebody was talking about Dr. Cherian. Has a Bible college in Coimbatore. Has a great school going. One day, Dr. Cherian came and said, Brother, this is what I was first teaching. He said, Brother Norm, you've got to come with us. Come with me. He said, bring your camera. We left the school campus. We went about two blocks. I could hear this chanting. We turned a corner like this here, came to an intersection. There's about 200 men extending down two blocks. No shirts on. They got sharp objects, razor blades, nails, pieces of glass, just beating themselves, blood just flowing. You know what they're trying to do? Atone for their sins. This is the same area. There are, there are things that you see that these people deal with. We have no idea what's going on here. Anyway, we were glad to get our way there. This is, the, this is the church. These people, excuse me, I've got to fix this thing. These are mostly gypsies. This is Raya Sandra. It's on the outskirts of Bangalore. This is where this church has been built now. 
These are converted gypsies. They're growing in grace. They're getting jobs. And they, on their own, they're buying these blocks and building these church built, this church building. And they're also building houses. This is Pastor Jeremiah and his family. This is a new computer. We were, he's on the left. And there's two pictures there. On the left, we're getting him a new laptop. And on the right is his wife and his two children. This is a service at a small church in Bangalore. That's Pastor Garai up there. Again, providing tools for ministry. First of all, Bibles. We can't keep up with the Bibles. We can buy, because every state has its own language. India has two official languages, Hindi and English. English is spoken more than Hindi. But each state has its own language. And then there are dialects within those languages. So they actually have hundreds of languages. But getting the Bibles is a tremendous tool for these ministries. And again, you have bought so many men. You support both of those men there. You can tell both Greg and I are from Minnesota <laughs> by our shirts. <laughs> we didn't agree to wear this. We just did it, okay? But you can see the Bibles they're getting. These are all rural pastors. That's always Pastor Garay on the left there helping us. Sound system, PA systems. They still do street preaching. They go into villages where they've never preached the gospel before. They set up little amplifiers and they preach the gospel. In fact, I don't know where Jeremy is. Uh, I've got to meet him. I haven't met him yet. I corresponded by mail. Two weeks ago, one of our pastors was in a village like this. Six Hindu elders came to him, told him, don't ever come back to our village again. One of them slapped him in the face. What would you do? When he goes back, they may kill him. But that's what they face time after time. Folks, we better appreciate the freedom we have here. We may not have it much longer. It doesn't matter who's in Washington. The devil has not stopped working. But again, it's just getting the tools into their hands. Sound systems, this is, we've been, this is Pastor Sanjay. Flash drive, gave them all pen drives. They... There is so much on there. They, they don't need the books. They've got the whole library right on those little pen drives. I'm like you, brother. I'm very limited in computer knowledge. Praise God. My grandsons are the ones that put this together. Uh, the teaching, oh, these Pensacola. I don't know if you, how many of you are familiar with flashcards from Pensacola. One of the best teaching tools for village evangelism. They can take, because the story is on the back of the picture. And by God's grace, we can, Pensacola ships them free to India for us. The set costs about $640, whatever. If I tried to ship them, it's like $1,500 for one set. Pensacola ships them free. But we're, getting, we're trying to get every one of our rural pastors these. They go into the villages, they can tell the story, and the, the adults who are uneducated begin to come. And again, the picture is worth a thousand words. And I've got to hurry, I'm sorry. Computers, the laptops, projectors, the, the, the things that we take for granted are so valuable to these men. We helped build this church. What a miracle story this is. 
This is Dr. Cherian's nephew-in-law. He, he married Dr. Cherian's niece. But both, both former students of mine, very gifted. He built this church in, in, in Nagar Coil, southernmost tip of India. These are pastors down in, in Nagar Coil. Many of these men are graduates of Dr. Cherian's school, Coimbatore. Coimbatore. Most of the other men, those 24 pastors up in Bangalore, most of them are graduates from Dr. Cherry and Dr. Chelly's school up in Bangalore. Again, preaching and teaching. Oh, one of the, one of the first time ever. Anybody ever heard of Faith Bible Institute? It's a, it's a Bible Institute out of a church, in the, a Baptist church in Louisiana. Tremendous. It's a three-year Bible college uh, course, Bible Institute. Pastor Greg's had over 100 young, 100 people graduate from this, this course. You got to forgive me. I'm not used to this thing, okay? But anyway, this was the first class, and this, this school has thousands of students every year, but this was the first group in India, and this was the first graduating class after three years. That, that was these men. I've been going to India for 25 years, 61 trips. I never had to wear a sport coat, a sport coat until this. <laughs> Pastor Arlen, who's in charge of this group, said, would you men, this is a special time for this church. So Greg and I both had to wear sport coats. For, they didn't have to wear them, but we had to wear them. First time and only time ever. But what a blessing it was to see these men get their diplomas. This is the southern tip of India. It's called Cape Kumare. In the, the statue you see in the foreground, it's off the coast. By the way, remember when the tsunami hit India? Hundreds of people were stranded on those islands because that's one of the areas it hit. In fact, Pastor Arlen took me to an area that hit on a Sunday. This area here is where three oceans come together the Bay of Bengal, the Indian Ocean, the Arabian Sea. And when the tsunami came in, there were many people on the beaches. I think I've got some pictures here. You can see the water. That's a Hindu temple way out in the far one. Uh, Cindy is still an open door. I don't think we have pictures here. We have them in other ones. But there were thousands of people on these beaches. After the tsunami receded, Ireland took me to an area there was one ditch where they found 800 bodies. When that thing came in, it just killed thousands of people there. India is still an open door. That's Pastor Arland, that's Pastor Greg, and that's Arland's little daughter. He has two sons. She calls me Tata. And uh, I've, been, I've been going there long before she was born. But the, when she was about seven years old, she's 11 now, that the only time she sees me is when they pick me up at the airport, bring me to their house, and then take me back to the airport. So Minnie, that's Arlen's wife and a former student, one day she was by the kitchen window, and she heard her daughter talking to a couple of her friends next door, and she said, Our, my Tata is here. I said, oh, that's good. But who's Tata? Is it your mommy's daddy? Oh, your daddy's daddy. So she thought about it, and she said, well, neither one. They said, well, it has to be either your mommy's daddy 
or your daddy's daddy. No, no, he's Tata. They said, well, what kind of Tata is he? She said, he's the airport Tata. <laughs> take, take your Bibles and turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 12. This is a hymn of praise. I teach an adult Sunday school class in our church. We just finished the book of Revelation, started on the book of Isaiah. The fifth gospel. Isaiah talks more about Jesus Christ than any other Old Testament prophet. And when he comes to chapter 12, he's got this hymn of praise. And Isaiah was so certain about God's promises for the future blessing of Israel that he composed this song in anticipation of the millennium. And in the few moments that I have left, let's just very quickly look at this. A very, just six short verses. And in that day, look back quickly at chapter 11 and verse number 10. Because in chapter 11, He's talking about the rule of the branch of Jesse. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod of the stem of Jesse. That's David's father, King David's father. And a branch shall grow up out of his roots. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And, and look at the, how the Lord Jesus will judge in verse 3. And shall make of him, make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness. This is the Lord Jesus ruling in the millennium. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And he goes on, and in verse 6, he talks about the conditions in the millennium. I don't know about you, but I can't wait. You know, just we, as we finish the book of Revelation, when you think about the awfulness, the terribleness of what's going to happen in the great tribulation, when you get to the end of chapter 22, how does it end? with God's great invitation, still, come, come unto me. The Spirit and the bride say, come. They will dig. God wants them to come. And now he's talking about what's going to be like in the millennium. Verse number 6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf with the young lion, the fatling, the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed their young ones, their youngins shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. Verse 10, in that day, verse 11, it shall come to, come to pass in that day. Now look at chapter 12. And in that day thou shalt say, he's talking to the children of Israel, what it's going to be like in the millennium, but he's talking about us now. What we should be doing, how we should be responding, what should our talk be like? And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou wast angry with me, but thine anger is turned away, and thou comfort me. 
That's the day we got saved. When God became our salvation. When he forgave us. And what should we be doing? You know, these people are not afraid to say, praise the Lord. Most of them, we would think their services are weird. But can I tell you something? They are so excited when God saves them. When their lives are changed, there's a one man in this then Putnam Church, his name is Gabriel. They, they gave him that name after he got saved. He was the devil before he got saved. His wife got saved first. Her name is Mary. She used to take the kids to the church every Sunday morning. He would wait outside the gate. And when she came out, he would knock her down and just kick her, take her by the hair and drag her home. But the next Sunday, she was back. Praising God. And then he got saved. There's one guy on earth that sings worse than me, and it's Gabriel. But when, he, when they're singing, he can't even read. He's illiterate. But in a voice so loud, he's praising God. They put us to shame with their love for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. Can you say that this morning? Every one of us that sit here, can we say, but God is my salvation? The Lord is my shepherd? For 36 years of my life, I couldn't say that. But on April 15th, 1973, this creator God we sang about this morning, this true and living God became my salvation. Are we doing anything about it? I will trust and not be afraid. People ask me, aren't you afraid to go to India? What do I have to fear? The Lord is with me. He's guarding me. He's guiding me. He's protecting me. You know, if, you're, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are invincible until your work is done. The devil himself cannot touch you. We found that from Job. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength. Look what he says. The Lord Jehovah is my strength. My song, he's become my salvation. This creator, God, the sovereign God who controls the, most, the smallest speck in the universe lives in my heart. He is my God, my strength, and my salvation. I can do all things through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. And he strengthens these people because he changes them. Look at verse number three. There with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. <laughs> you know what we need more in our Baptist churches is joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. 
and the joy that we see in the faces of these heathen when they get saved, when they know this true and living God. I've had the joy of taking two grandsons with me to India. One graduated from Maranatha, one graduated from Ambassador. When Adam, who went, uh, yeah, Jason, graduated from Ambassador, he went to, went to India. We were in, in Bangalore. We can go into these public schools and preach the gospel. We had a three-day meeting with the ninth and 10th graders in this one school. Pastor Emmanuel, the last day, the last session, we had about 60 kids there. Emmanuel said, I'll take Jason. We'll preach to the boys. You have five daughters. You go with my wife and you preach to the girls. Took those girls into a room. Very simple message, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. I, talked about, I started talking about the love of Jesus Christ, how he loved them and died for them so that they could have eternal life. He's the true and living God. All of a sudden, I was preaching about five, six minutes, all of a sudden, a couple of these girls started sobbing. Pretty soon, all of them, we must have had 25, 30 girls there. They're all sobbing uncontrollably. She started crying. I had no idea what was happening. She finally got her composure back, and I said, what happened? She said, uncle, these girls are 15 and 16 years old, and you're telling them. She said, no one ever has told them that they love them. Not their parents, not their grandparents, nobody. And you're telling them that Jesus loved them so much he died for them? Guess how many of those girls made professions of faith on that day? This creator God who died for us, who loves us and dwells in our heart. What are we doing with it? Look what he says we should be. This is what we're going to do. This is what the millennium is all about. But this is what it should be like here in Lebanon. No matter where we are, this is what we should be. Look at verse number four. In that day, that day we got saved. In that day shall you say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Are we doing this? Call, declaring his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Is Jesus Christ exalted in my life? Is Jesus Christ exalted in your life? Remember when they arrested Peter and John in, in Acts chapter 4? They took them before the Sanhedrin. They said, we told you not to preach in his name anymore. All they're doing is obeying Jesus. What does it say? They took knowledge of them that they had been with who? Jesus. Jesus was exalted in their life. For 300 years, the church turned the world upside down. And then Rome got involved in it. The world has turned us upside down ever since. You know why I like Dr. McCune's statement? Stick with the basics. This is the basics. Look at verse number five. Sing unto the Lord. Oh, I love the singing this morning. I love the singing here. This, this is a singing church. You just feel like you're lifted up into the presence of God Almighty. Sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things. 
This is known in all the earth. Has God done excellent things for you? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's nothing better than he can do for you. That Jesus Christ died for your sins. God has allowed you to become his child. Look at verse number six, and I'll close here. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. You know we need more shout, you know what we need more in our churches? More shouting. There was an evangelist a long time ago, and he made this statement. He said, when Mr. Amen and Mr. Wet Eyes quit going to church, we will stop having revival. Can I tell you something? That's so true. I can remember when we were first saved, almost every Sunday, somebody, and this was a church, 500 people, and for Minnesota, that for a Baptist church, that's good-sized. But every Sunday, somebody was getting saved. And when they would come forward to get saved, half the church was weeping. We don't weep anymore. What was that verse we quoted this morning? When Jesus... When he saw the multitude. What? He was moved with compassion. What does it take to move us? This is not a game. People are dying and going to the lake of fire. I don't know why, but one day I was reading through the Bible, and this one word just hit me like a lightning bolt. If there's one word that people in the lake of fire will never forget. It's forever. Your neighbors, your loved ones, your co-workers, the people in this community, no matter where we are, if they die without Jesus Christ, they're going to be in that lake of fire forever. You know why? Because we never told them. Look at how Isaiah finishes it. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Our God is in the midst of us. Our triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, has provided so great salvation. If you're here without Jesus Christ, your greatest need is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says, behold, now, today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day will bring forth. Do we serve a great God? Are you telling your neighbors about it? 
are you telling anybody about it? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love to us through the Lord Jesus. We thank you for so great salvation that you have provided for us. Lord Jesus, we'll never be able to thank you enough, even through eternity, for your willingness to submit to the Father's will and go to that cross, pay the penalty for our sins. Oh, Lord, forgive us for our lack of concern for the lost. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and do a work of conviction, compassion that only you can give. Father, we pray for this pastor and these dear people. Oh, Lord, bless them. Lord, may many souls come to Jesus Christ through not only their giving to help others go, but, Lord, through their own witness to the people in this community. Father, glorify yourself through all that they will do. We ask in our Savior's name. Amen.